Surrender means giving up wishing things to be better because they're exactly the way they are. As long as we're wanting this moment to be not what it is, we're not in this moment. So the first level of surrender that allows us to receive is giving up a wish that things be different. Welcome to Dale Borglum's Healing at the Edge. We are very happy to share with you Dale's profound insight and open heart. Please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dale to support this podcast. So today, I would like to talk about receiving love. Very often, when we talk about spiritual practice, we think about doing. I'm doing this. I'm cultivating compassion. I'm cultivating love. I'm cultivating kindness. But the more I practice, the more I stumble down this path, the more I find that it is really about opening up, surrendering, and receiving. A couple of days ago, I, re- I did receive an email from one of our group members who doesn't actually seem to be here right now. He or she is in a very different time zone. But I'd like to read you the email. This person lives in Turkey. It's been a devastating week after the earthquake in Turkey. The whole country has been collapsing already. Political oppression, horrible economic crisis, and then this. We are mourning a huge loss. I've been to India many times. I've witnessed the suffering of poverty, disease, and death over there, but not this much darkness and fear. Such hopelessness. All the sadhana that I have been devoting my life to gives me just a thin line of support but I'm feeling weak and depressed, so it creates guilt as well. 41,000 plus people have died. 87,000 people have been injured. The mind really cannot take in the enormity of the suffering. I'd like to read a quote from uh, an old acquaintance of mine, Pirvalai Khan, the wonderful Sufi teacher. Like the mother of the world who carries the pain of the world in her heart. Each one of us is part of her heart, and therefore each one of us is dowed with a certain measure of cosmic pain. You are sharing in that pain and are called upon to meet it in joy rather than self-pity. The secret, open your heart as a vehicle to transform cosmic suffering into joy. The Tibetan Buddhists talk about compassion being a combination of sadness and joy, a sadness that there is suffering, that people are dying in earthquakes, that people are dying from COVID, that people are dying in war, and yet a joy that the heart is open. And what we will explore today then is, given the enormity of what's going on in the world, certainly if we open up to that, we will feel sadness. At the same time, can we begin to also rest in the joy that transcends happiness and sadness? Can we find an open-heartedness? Can we we receive a, a depth, an expansive love of compassion that is always present, that will allow us to feel a joy even though all those events that are causing us so much 
sadness are still happening in the world. Let me read another quote, Psalm 4 from the Old Testament version by Stephen Mitchell. Even in the midst of great pain, Lord, I praise you for that which is. I will not refuse this grief or close myself to this anguish. Let the shallow pray for ease, comfort us, shield us from sorrow. I pray for whatever you send me, and I ask to receive it as your gift. You put a joy in my heart greater than all the world's riches. I lie down trusting the darkness, for I know that even now you are here. In my experience, it seems impossible to stay open to the pain of the world if we're not receiving this blessing, this love, this this grace that is always available. In Tibetan Buddhism, they feel that the blessings that are always pouring forth is what is realized when we touch upon enlightenment. We are by nature endowed with qualities of absolute goodness, purest love, compassion, wisdom, and tranquility. These radiant qualities are intrinsic to who we are. So that a moment of enlightenment is a moment in which we really notice these blessings. So that even right now, as we begin our conversation together this morning, this afternoon, wherever you might be sitting, given that I've mentioned this Turkey and earthquake Syria, and that one of the members of this group is having a difficult time dealing with the degree of fear and depression and grief that is a result of the experience there. Can we can we begin this group by being open to receiving this blessing that is always here? Certainly, as we've talked about in the past, it's very difficult to keep our hearts open if we haven't done the preparatory work of embodied mindfulness and done the work of deeply tuning into our motivation. But at least working with being grounded and being centered, having an embodied mindfulness, being in our body so deeply that there is a foundation which allows us to trust the vulnerability of the open heart. When we haven't dealt with the fear, the guilt, and the shame that are the emotions arising when the lower chakras that support the open heart chakra haven't been worked with to a, a certain depth. There will be grief, fear, and shame that make it very difficult to keep the heart open, to have the faith that we can surrender into the next moment. It's easy for me to say that, but people are addicted to suffering. We're addicted to suffering because it's so familiar. Gurdjieff said, the first thing you have to do on the spiritual path is to let go of your identification with your suffering. Suffering is there, but is it your suffering or is it the suffering? Can we let go of addiction to suffering? Can we open our hearts and compassion and love to, to that suffering? Talking about this notion of surrender from the various levels of practice, surrender is experienced differently. From the initial Vipassana stage, mindfulness stage, surrender means giving up wishing things to be better because they're exactly the way they are. 
as long as we're wanting this moment to be not what it is, we're not in this moment. So the first level of surrender that allows us to receive is giving up a wish that things be different, feeling a moment-to-moment hopelessness that doesn't prevent hoping things are going to be better in the future. And then the next level of surrender is giving up practicing for ourselves. We're surrendering. I've got to do this for me, but we're now doing it for everybody. We're meditating. We're praying. We're opening our hearts for all all sentient beings. And finally, we're practicing to give up our identity. That it's not, I'm not a separate person. The suffering of people in Turkey and in Syria and in Ukraine and in San Francisco and in Oakland and in wherever is my suffering. It's not your suffering or my suffering, it's the suffering that we share that. A, A John O'Donoghue poem segment. You have been forced to enter empty time. The desire that drove you has relinquished. There is nothing else to do now but rest and patiently learn to receive the self that you have forsaken in the race of days. There's nothing else to do now but rest and patiently learn to receive the self, to receive the blessing that is always here. And Hafiz says, I wish I could show you when you are lonelier in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. So when I think about receiving love, I thought of four things, that we receive it from God, which for me is the easiest way to do this, the most available, receiving it from myself, receiving it from other people, and receiving it from the earth. Albert Einstein says, and today is chock full of quotes, isn't it? A hundred times a day, I remind myself that my inner and outer life depend on the labors of other people living and dead, and that I must exert myself in order to give in the full measure I have received and am still receiving. Every moment we're receiving from others, the technology that's allowing us to communicate here has been developed by so many other people. Receiving love from ourselves, maybe that's a lot harder than receiving it from God. When we talk about receiving love from God, Maharaji says, I am always in communion with you. Just imagine right now that in this moment and the next moment and later on tonight when you wake up in the middle of the night and what's going on, the perfect emanation of God is with you in that moment and that that can be received. There's a sense of richness, a sense of wholeness, abundance, that we're not living a life of poverty and need and inadequacy like that. Hafiz's poem where he wants to show us the astonishing light of our own being. Can we begin to receive that blessing? And I really get that saying to our group member who's living in Turkey that in spite of this catastrophe, in spite of this tragedy, that there's death and suffering all around, that there's also this blessing. It really takes a strong practice. It takes a deep faith in practice to not get lost in despair, to not get lost in fear, 
when in the middle of the night or just in a moment, the building crumbles. I've got another friend who has metastatic cancer and there's a, there's a treatment that can extend his life. Uh, that isn't available. The FDA has not approved it yet in America. It's something that some of the people in the group here know. And he has to go to Turkey to get this treatment. And he knows that the people at the hospital he's had to go to before, many of them have relatives in the earthquake zone. And he's wondering how that's going to affect what's going on in the hospital, not in any kind of selfish way. But just imagine going to a, a hospital to get treatment that might save your life for a while. And yet the people who are there to give you treatment have had many close family members killed in the last couple of weeks. This earthquake happened at this point 13 days ago. All these four forms of receiving love from God, from self, from other, from earth, it's basically the same thing of trusting we can open and receive. Once again, the longer I go down this path, the further I go down, it's less and less about me doing anything and opening to receiving this blessing, open to receiving this love, love with a capital L, not love with a small L, compassion with a capital C, not with a small C, that's always available. Yes, there's a, a stage of practice where I and you are cultivating love with a small L. It's something to do. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to pray. I'm going to chant. I'm going to meditate. But eventually, we get to the point of realizing we're not doing it, that it's there all along. It's who we are, that we can't become a better person. We're perfect already, even though we're having a hard time expressing that. Suzuki Roshi said to his students, you're all perfect, but there's still room for some improvement, okay? Can we live at that edge of accepting the perfection and working on improvement? So beginning to explore receiving love from God, from other, from self, from the earth. In some of my groups, I do this meditation where everybody gets a small mirror and they look into the mirror and I ask them what they see coming back. Is there somebody looking at you in the mirror who has your well-being firmly at the center of what they want? That they're not judging you. They're, they're really on your side all the time. I ask people, have you ever looked at somebody else and loved them so much that it brought tears to your eyes? And almost everybody says yes. And then I ask, how many of you have looked in a mirror and seen yourself and loved that person so much and it brought tears to your eyes? And almost nobody says yes. We know ourselves so well. We know our stuck places, the places where we resist surrender, where we're proud, where we're caught in addiction to suffering. Self-compassion, self-forgiveness is a very necessary step in learning to accept love from ourselves and from other people. Being with somebody who's approaching death, who has not forgiven themselves, is a difficult thing. 
being with somebody who is approaching death and they've forgiven themselves is a beautiful thing. In Hinduism, really, the whole world is the mother. And this, this quality of receiving love is, in a way, forming a deeper relationship with the divine feminine, with the mother. Maharaji, my guru, said that until you really understand the mother, you can't become enlightened. What does that actually mean? Until we understand that we are protected and guided, that there is this blessing, there is this love that's always available. The way that a mother loves her only child, her newborn baby, with that, that degree of protection and care and constancy, until we get that, then we're going to be resisting the world. We're going to be lost in the dualistic part of the equation. Going back to that short little Rumi quote, there's a poem where somebody is complaining to God that I've prayed and I've called out to you and I never hear anything back. And God says, the longing you express is the return message. The grief you cry out from draws you toward union. Your pure sadness that wants help is the secret cup. So that even the grief, even the sadness, even the longing is from the proper understanding receiving love. There is nothing that is not receiving love from God, from the universe, from Buddha nature, from self, whatever we want to call that, when we get beyond relative reflexive thinking. To really be able to receive this, we have to believe that we're worthy of receiving this. We know how to cultivate receiving it. Uh, we have to realize it's available now and that it's available in the first place. So right now, do you believe that pure love is available? It's available now, that you're worthy of receiving it and you know how to receive it. Occasionally, we probably put all four of those things together. But is it, in fact, something that we can surrender into again and again and again? Being able to receive this teaches us that we're so much larger than the small stories that we believe about ourselves and we believe about each other. Finally, then, in terms of healing, healing ourselves, healing each other, there are these initial practices of healing where we're asking, there's a lot of duality going on. I need help, etc. But the deepest level of healing is merging your mind, my mind, with the one mind, with Buddha nature, and then merging your mind with the mind of somebody that needs to be healed. This unshakable faith that there is this wholeness that can be merged with. In fact, we're merged with it all the time. And that we can be in that and then be with somebody who is asking for healing is the deepest level of healing. Which doesn't preclude you going to the acupuncturist or the, uh, the psychotherapist or the medical doctor and taking your medicine. I've got poison oak all over both of my arms. I'm taking medicine. I was out in the, out in the yard shopping down this and that. In the winter, it's hard to tell what's poison oak and not poison oak. 
And I'm not suggesting we don't take medicine. Receiving love, the inability to receive love, guilt, shame, fear, prevent us from doing that. So that there's a, a twofold practice here. One is working with what prevents us from receiving love. And then the other is directly receiving, working with the obstacles and working with the humility to allow ourselves to open and fully receive. I find one of my favorite practices is just, just lying in bed at night and just breathing into my heart and feeling this infinite, infinite blessing, this infinite love. Sometimes it, it comes in so quickly that it, it's physically painful. It almost feels like there's a big knife that's slowly turning in my heart, sometimes in the front, sometimes in the back. It's the most exquisite pain in the world. Can we yearn to connect with this, even in times of chaos, earthquakes, war, politics, all this stuff is going on? gradually eliminating the obstacles, and then again and again, fully diving into this quality of receiving, this twofold path. Why don't we have a, a guided meditation? Please begin by invoking that which you trust, invoking that which does not change without getting into any arguments with the Buddha in the process. And begin first by receiving love and support from the earth in the sense of being grounded, that as you Breathe out, breathe down into the earth, and as you breathe in, receive this energy that is abundant, that is ever-present, that is supportive and nourishing and loving. feeling supported by Mother Earth in the way that a baby feels supported by her mother. Receiving, accepting support, accepting nourishment. A deepening trust in being here now. And then receiving love from yourself in the sense of self-forgiveness, self-compassion, 
Can you say your name, Dale, I forgive you. Dale, I love you, whatever your name is. Feel what it would be like if you really meant that. Imagine that feeling. yearning, the longing that you feel for union, for connection itself is the return message, is the love. Self-forgiveness, self-compassion. No matter what thoughts or emotions or sensations are arising, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, you can be kind to yourself, show mercy, tenderness, reach your rising. If you notice any judgment, any self-criticism, come back to being present through your heart. Just that simple moment of knowing you've been lost in the mind, let that be the inspiration to forgive, to come back to a heartfelt relationship with experience, with self. And then imagine seated in front of you, the being who loves you the most, it might be uh, your partner, it might be your pet, it might be your child, it might be your parent. See on their face how much they love you in their eyes. Open yourself to receiving this love. 
And when resistance arises, just notice that and go back to receiving. Feeling the love from this being filling your body, every cell of your body, softening your mind, opening your heart. Thanking this being for loving you and then receiving love itself. God is love, the blessing of Buddha Dharma Sangha, the blessing of the lineage, love of the Divine Mother. Breathing directly into your heart as if you had nostrils in the center of your chest. More and more deeply accepting the nature of the heart as boundless, without edge, without resistance. In fact, the heart is always open even if we don't perceive that. This blessing, available moment to moment. We're always in communion with the source of this love, this blessing.
receiving love from the one, from this person, from ourselves, from the earth. Fundamentally one practice. Opening, surrendering, trusting. Practicing from the stance of abundance and richness. Without denying our resistance. Nothing that arises is not of pure expression of this one source. We've heard stories today about war, earthquake, difficult relationship. Can we essentialize this connection with receiving love? so that less and less we get lost in stories of separateness. And then be willing to share love, compassion with all beings. Breathing in, breathing out, receiving, giving, taking, sending. wish that all beings might rest in this love, all beings might be free from suffering. Still receiving love and nourishment from the earth, forgiving, loving ourselves moment to moment.
receiving love from those who deeply care for us. which are all just forms of this one great love. May all beings realize their true nature and receive this blessing moment to moment. How fully can we receive love in this moment from each other in this room, from ourselves, from God, from the earth? There's a Buddhist story where Buddha's attendant and cousin Ananda came to the Buddha and said that the Sangha, the community of seekers, he said, oh, Buddha, I've heard that the Sangha is fully half of the spiritual path. And Buddha said, oh, no, Ananda, it is all of the path. Receiving the love and the blessing from the people in this room is what allows us to deal with the fear, the guilt, the shame, the anxiety, the narcissism, the cowardice. It's very difficult to do this on your own. There are a few remarkable people who they have a very thin veil, they just fall into the dharma and everything works. But for most of us, it really requires the support of other beings, the receiving the support of other beings. There is a practice called guru yoga, which I almost talked about, but I didn't. And there's a little lull here in the conversation. And Guru Yoga is this wonderful practice where in any moment you can imagine that the embodiment of this love is right in front of you, Krishna or Christ or just some generic being of light, and just feeling the awe and the wonder of being with this embodiment of love and being willing to receive the strength of that blessing. I can present this as a visualization, but at a deeper level, I can present it as this is what's happening in every moment. That blessing is there right in front of us. And all it takes is opening up and, and receiving. Maharaji said, it's much better to trust in God than to try to figure everything out. So trusting in God means all I need to do is receive that love. And yet so much of the time, we try to figure it out. I've got a PhD in figuring it out. And look where it got me. Good morning. I got a lot out of your talk today. And <clears throat> uh, particularly just the last part about receiving acceptance and love from others, kindness from others. I think for me, that has been one of the more challenges, bigger challenges from this pandemic uh, that I have had some separateness. I mean, many, many people have had a lot of separateness. 
but um, from others, from a very um, involved life to suddenly being with my cat, which, you know, she has her, her benefits. Uh, but just the, just being with one's brain and not having the input from, from others, from, I'm so grateful to have re- discovered you, Dale, and this group, <clears throat> because I feel like I'm, I've, I've come up from wherever I was and I, I feel acknowledged and I have something to look forward to. And thank you. Thank you. You're most welcome. Thank you, Joe. What I found in the beginning of the pandemic, there was so much suffering, so much separation. The the thing that I found that worked for me to go beyond the depth of that despair was practicing for all beings, giving and receiving love to all beings, realizing that my heart is big enough to feel compassion for all the suffering of everybody on the planet with COVID and everybody affected by COVID, rather than getting caught up in victimhood and taking it personally. And that by by being willing to receive, in some sense, it's just like a, a flow through me. I receive and then I can open up and feel compassion for all beings. And then I'm connected and I'm not alone. Just some of the stuff that's being said today, I was reminded of the story of when uh, Ramdas was in India. I'm not sure if you were there at, exactly at that time when there was that big conflict um, across the border in Pakistan and how everyone was, um, you know, reacting to that. And Ramdas wanted to go and help and so on. And uh, and Maharaji had said, you know, don't you see that it's all perfect? That sort of thing just puts everything into a different perspective. You know, whether you can believe this or not, but, I mean, the Divine Mother was there at that time. It was all, you know, it was all her doing, in a sense. That's exactly what Maharaji was talking about. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, it's just so hard for us to appreciate that when we, come down into our minds with everything that's, that's happening. Yeah. Um, and something else that you mentioned, Dale, about, you know, offering, offering um, whatever it is that you do, offering it out. I mean, that's a form of karma yoga, isn't it? I mean, another way to, I think, get beyond the doer of stuff and be able to. But anyway, that's, it reminded me of that. I think it's a, that's one of the kind of pathways. So, Thank you. Just, I don't know if you've got any remarks on any of that, but thank you. Yeah. Thank you, too. I was there at that time, and uh, I remember sleeping on the roof of a hotel with Ramdas and a bunch of other people, and planes were flying overhead. And we didn't know if they were Pakistani planes that were going to drop bombs on us or Indian planes that were supposedly defending us. The crux of the story here is that Many people were suffering, and Ramdas wanted to help, and Maharaji said, it's all perfect. At the same time, he would turn to us and say, are you warm? Do you need a sweater? Are you hungry? Apparently, he had some kind of larger wisdom that could see that it wasn't time for Ramdas to go running off to the front lines and try to help. There certainly is a danger of saying it's all perfect and not being engaged in the world. 
And I, I just want to make it very clear that Maharaji was all about engagement and service and helping. But when the heart is open enough, then you feel when it's time to help and when helping is doing nothing. I mean, it can be either one. And when I first started working with dying people, my impulse was to help everybody, to run in and try to fix things, to rush in. And in doing that, I think that I slowed down the healing process for people until I started figuring out that there's this very delicate balance between realizing the perfection and being deeply in touch with the human suffering. That the, the, the suffering is in the context of the perfection, but without being open to the suffering, the perfection is dry and brittle, if you will. Right. It, it's, that, it's that combination of, of sadness and joy when we feel the suffering. It's very tricky because all of our codependence and our need and our fear gets wrapped up in that. Do I help or do I don't help or how do I help? It takes a great deal of self-honesty and humility to hear those messages clearly. A lot of people are busy helping so they don't feel their own pain. To the extent that you can free yourself, then your actions will have so much more effect and power in the world than if you're, you're doing it from a place of need and trying to avoid something. And there are so many stories. I mean, there are stories about Maharaji where somebody close to him died and he laughed. And, and he said, it's all perfect. There was time for the person to die. And then somebody else died and he wept like a child. It's each moment is fresh. And can we meet it with receiving with this open heart and then trusting the response, trusting our inherent goodness, our inherent kindness. In fact, all of Buddhism, this fundamental notion that all we have to do is be mindful and that will lead to freedom is based on the underlying deeply held belief that we are intrinsically whole. We are intrinsically good and kind. It, it gets covered over by conditioning, to be sure. But can we practice from faith in that? And in a way, that's what that's what the guru is, is that unshakable goodness. So this quality of wanting to do more, I think, is a good quality. But the question is, do, do you do more by trying harder and getting busier, by getting quieter and doing less and that, thus do more. I mean, there's this one mm -hmm. Zen uh, statement where somebody said, drinking green tea, I stopped the war. Mm -hmm. Like if you can perfectly drink a cup of green tea, you're completely there, completely open-hearted, healing mm -hmm. radiates into the world. Whereas if you run around frantically trying to help people, you might be sowing more agitation and confusion than if you'd stayed home. There's this balance of going within and receiving this love and blessing and, and, and shakti and, and going out and letting God work through us. And to the extent that I or you think I'm doing this, like, Ramdas, in, in response to what Graham was saying, Ramdas is probably thinking, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to help those people. And to the extent that he's putting himself in that equation, then maybe not so much. 
And to the extent, as the Bhagavad Gita talks about, that it's God operating through us, then all things can happen. So it's this purification process of realizing who's doing what here. And as I often try to remember and express, these these big ideas are, to me, most useful when we bring them into a moment-to-moment more subtle practice, like this quality of receiving love. It's not like you rip your heart open and you're flooded with love, but right in this moment, I'm talking, you're listening, you're talking, I'm listening, we're all listening, whatever. Is there this openness to receive uh, that can be integrated into daily life? Can we begin to bring it into a rather mundane moment like us having this conversation right now? Is there any impediment to you letting all the love in the universe flow through you? Last weekend, I I was in a room with 40 people, and it was really a pleasure to actually teach in person again. So I've I've done these two workshops, uh, the first ones in person since COVID began. And as much as I love Zoom and being able to talk to people all over the planet from the comfort of my office, there's also something quite lovely about being in a room with a bunch of other human beings and diving into this stuff together. It, It is a blessing that COVID is at the stage it is now and that maybe we've appreciated contact and communion a little bit more, something we took for granted a long time ago, that the blessing of being with other people of being loved and supported by people who can touch you is is immeasurable, really. So thank you all so very much. I wish you all the best. Send lots of love. And as I receive more, I will share more. Be well. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. 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 Thank Thank you. 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 Thank you.